It's only week four in the Chicago Bears season, but somehow the Bears have found themselves in a do-or-die noon game against the Denver Broncos. Nick and I break down everything to do with this game on this episode of Bear With Us. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Us. I'm Robert Schmitz, the editor-in-chief of Bears blog, here with Nick Whalen, as always, with Football Guys. And man, Nick, what a game the Bears have on their hands right here. We we told ourselves, coming into Green Bay, that that was, a, let's call it an even teams game. And then we went to Tampa Bay. We said, this one's winnable. And then Denver said, nah, I'll meet you down at your level. And we've got as even a game as the Bears make it on their schedule. And I mean, Nick, all the all the marbles. I'm not even playing games. It's easy to hyperbolize this stuff. You know what I'm saying? But this is Sean Payton back against the wall with Russell Wilson and the entire identity of this team on the line with Matty Eberflus staving off a media nightmare. DC has already left the team, bottom falling out of the locker room. One of these teams leaves with their dignity. The other loses the season. Am I crazy for playing it up to that level no no this is this is it like this is the season like you you want to get right game for either team this is the get right game like in high school football this is when you're midway through the season and nobody's won a game but you're like man we're both pretty crappy it's like one of us has to win and then it's like we might win a couple more games and like squeak into the playoffs like this is that game for both teams because i i know we know the Bears drama and, you know, nationally, some people know it, but Denver's got their own stuff, right? They bring in this high, they're in a mess, you know, very prolific coach. And he said, that's the worst coach team in the history of sports. And then he just let up 70 points last week. Like you can't be clapping back at coaches. And then all of a sudden you just literally are holding dog poop in your hand after a game like that was a bad performance oh it was a terrible performance and even more so i know i was catching up on for some reason i decided that i was going to watch some denver broncos fan videos in part of my prep because i was like well what did they think was going to happen absolutely nobody saw the defense regressing like this which is one part it is surprising two parts mm-hmm. it, it is a little hilarious but i'm one to talk we thought the bears were going to be good this year and here we are but yep. I can't help but think that narratively speaking, or not just narratively, like let's get to the football end of this. I mean, look at the Arizona Cardinals, and I'm sure you see the same thing I'm right about to talk about, Nick. Belief is a powerful thing. And if you just get that one win, nobody in the locker room, if I had to guess, Nick, I'm asking you from your coaching experience, nobody's going to ask whether or not it was or wasn't because you picked up two fumbles and picked off a tipped pass. Like... There, there's an element, right, of it doesn't really matter how. You just walk out the game with a win, and mm-hmm. you can start to glue the season back together, right? Yep. Well, there's one There's one thing. No matter the drama, no matter how people play, whatever, winning cures all. And, right. and you have to stack some wins, and then it will quiet the noise, and then you can start picking away on you know the the, the negatives or the deficiencies of the team. And speaking of negatives and deficiencies of the team, we might as well start by talking a little bit about where the state of the Bears is at 
right? Like it, it's Thursday by the time people are going to hear this. So everybody's seen all five of the quarterback breakdowns that we've had. It's become a really popular topic, hasn't it? To just become an NFL quarterback and now break down an offense. And I'll tell you, Nick, okay, I'll start by throwing to you because you did a video on the Bears offense. But <laughs> tell me if I'm crazy. Part of me starts to feel like major 2019 vibes, seeing Dan Orlovsky, Chase Daniel, Kyle Sloter. Everybody has jumped in to say the scheme in week three was terrible, and that's not Justin Fields' fault. And, I mean, tell me if I'm being too objective, objective to the point of being mean. I might be Nick, because I sit here like, well, a lot of these quarterbacks aren't really talking about week one and two, where things were open, and the scheme was a little more, let's call it NFL normal, but we missed a lot of those. It feels like this scheme took a step down. Honestly, if I was going to put it into words, I felt like this scheme was Justin Fields and Luke Getze drawing the worst out of each other, more or less, where it was almost like Luke said, all right, all you're going to do is hit the sidelines and between five yards, fine. I'll call everything there. And <laughs> they shut it like Spagnola shut everything down. But also that Justin, therefore, ends up, I, I don't know, man. Talk me through your thoughts on the scheme, Justin Fields, the situation. Is it salvageable? How you feeling on Thursday? So I went into watching the All-22 tape with All Hope is Lost. You know, Justin Fields should be done. You know, um, you know, let's let's just tank and get Caleb Williams. And then I watched the all 22. And, you know, I made my video as you had referenced. And I, I got a couple of people like, well, you're a Fields apologist, whatever. But like you can go through and you're just like, mm, mm, like this doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. Like when you're at the top of your drop and nobody's open. That's not good. Or this was the thing that bug bugged me the most is when you had one play action concept, which was great. And then they ran a run play. And then the same play action concept, the same way where the, the defenders were like, cool, I'll just take this person away. Like Steve Spagnola is wonderful. That's a good defense. He's a great coordinator. He was in his back, but it was almost like he knew the plays before they called them. And there were a few plays field should have ran differently or thrown to a guy or thrown to a spot like the interception that was on him. I think he was pressing a little bit, but most of the time uh, it's like the chiefs were like three steps ahead of us. Yep. I mean, and well, let's, let's talk about that first because Spagnola and the chiefs defense absolutely let the bears up on nearly every level. I mean, the bears moved the ball some, but scoring zero points, by the third quarter in a game like mm -hmm. football is unacceptable at all levels. And everybody's name is on it. I really hate Nick, this bad habit that the football world has of needing to point the finger at one man, one way or another. This isn't a one person problem. This is everything we've got, whether it's Mercedes Lewis or uh, it's, it could be Mercedes Lewis. It could be Darnell Mooney. It could be Chase Claypool. Somebody blows a block. On the third play of the game. Then there are pacing issues. Like this is after the interception. There's a deep ball down the field, Nick, where looking at it, Fields is awfully slow in his drop back and then gets the ball out uh, while taking a hit. And the throw ends up inaccurate when DJ Moore's beating his guy down the field. But somebody picked a five step drop. When a lot of quarterbacks take three step drops and release the go early with anticipation. Like all this stuff is planned. 
And I could say what I will. It would be easy to go what I would consider Mitch mode back what I did in 2019 where I tried to make everything Mitch Trubisky's fault. But it's just right. not that it's not that simple, right? Nope. And it definitely sucks. But they go up against a Denver defense this weekend where, I mean, so one of my biggest complaints, Nick, like tell me if you think the same. Are you are are you going crazy like I am? Are you pulling your hair out like I am at the fact that Luke Getze, for some reason, developed this fabulous run game in 2022 with all kinds of different concepts. They ran counter. They ran toss. They ran, like, power concepts, mixed them in with zone concepts. And now it seems as if all of that is gone for for no explicit reason. We have changed nearly no offensive linemen. Like, four out of the five current starters that includes larry borum are they were all on the team when we were doing all this last year but now all we're going to do is inside zone read option and duo what on earth is happening here like it's <laughs> it it feels like chicago had no off season and so they haven't a lot of time to prepare so they have the most basic vanilla game plan that they can have like you, even last year they had a lot of that toss crack stuff in Tons. which was fantastic and one of the things that and i, I tweeted this out actually before the show one of the things that things that is tough is I watched Denver and Miami um, to you know at least half of the game to preview for this this show. Watch I watched Miami's offense, and I watched the Bears offense every week, and it is literally like watching a D one college team and then a JV high school offense. Like it is it, it is worlds worlds apart with the motion, with how they vary things, with how they create space, and it's just like how. How can Chicago be that bad? Like, that's why execution is bad. That's why the offensive line isn't doing well in terms of blocking because they only run three different things. Of course, the defense is ready for it. Right. <laughs> and I mean, what they are running isn't getting executed well, partially because they won't seem to check out of anything. And I don't know whose fault that is because right. it sure seems like Justin Fields has the authority to check out of things because he checks now and again within a game plan but at the same time when asked about something at one point i think it was week one justin fields responded with a question about whether he has the authority to change the line of scrimmage with i just run the play that's called and so there's an element of you tell me nick right where yeah spagnola would crowd the box and we would run into it anyways often down a man and then they would offer the opportunity to get into these top toss runs. The Bears wouldn't take them. And if there's any saving grace for Chicago, I don't know how you watch that game, that Miami-Denver game, and you don't put toss crack back into your offense. I'm serious. Oh like, no, I'm, I really mean this, Nick. Like, it, yeah. there's no way that a standard NFL coach won't watch that film and put toss crack in their offense, even if they can. Oh, they had to install it this week that yep. would be i mean you talked about jv versus d1 this is a jv coach's idea of we should run that that worked really well so i would be astounded if they don't try and that mm -hmm. seems like it would be a net positive for the chicago run game you know mm -hmm. well and we had talked about this too i mean they and i think i believe in the preseason because it's such an advantage to have linemen out on the outside in space yes. because you can't cut them down now. Defenders can't just cut them. And so that's the advantage. Like you pin it's it's kind of like pin and pull. You pin that outside defender and then you go outside. We saw a little bit of it last week when they're down by, you know, a bajillion points. Then they start running 
Justin Fields on outside, you know, counter runs. Shocker, get this guy in space. He gets nine yards at a crack. Like, like just start doing natural things on the field that, I mean, literally, you don't have Tyree Kill. I get you can't do some of that stuff, but you can literally see, hey, this looks like it works. Maybe just start doing that, Luke Getzi. Look around the NFL. Hey, this looks like it works instead of for any basic concepts that the defenses know are coming. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if there is one thing I'm concerned about, so either mellow me out or maybe you agree, right? I watched two games, or at least I tried to watch as much of both as I could. Obviously, I watched Denver and Miami, but about, I'd say, a quarter and a half in, I realized that Denver coached outrageously scared of Miami's offense, and they basically put themselves in a blender. I mean, you saw blown coverages left and right. You saw defenders that didn't know whether they were going to try to match or pass guys like Tyree Kill. So suddenly I looked and tried to find the least intimidating offense that I could on the uh, Denver schedule, landed on the Raider game, only had two choices, and they were much more aggressive there. For better and for worse at times. I mean, number 27, Damari Mathis, the second corner on the field that's not Patrick Sertain, he kind of, he struggles. <laughs> I yeah, mean, no matter yeah. what tape you turn on, that guy's just in the spin cycle. But you saw a lot more blitzing. You saw elements of like, it was as if the the Denver off or defense was somewhat inspired by the tight front. And the, in the way that they're aligning their linebackers, which is just to say that they play three down linemen and then they'll have two outside linebackers on top of that. So that's where it's inspired by. Um, and then those three down linemen are backed up by a couple linebackers five, six yards off. And they defended the run relatively well. It's the passing game where they got in real trouble as Jimmy Garoppolo. And it was actually Jacoby Myers really diced them up and. That has me just sitting here thinking, Nick, that on one hand, this could be a serious get-right game for Justin Fields. On the other, if the ball doesn't get in the air, I mean, the offense may stall anyways. And that's not me trying to be some kind of a doomsayer. In the NFL, it is really hard to win long-term without being able to pass the ball somewhere, right? And so you tell me, how do you feel like Chicago gets the ball in the air enough to loosen the glue on some of the run defense? Or do you think that they just toss crack their way through it? Yeah, no, I think this is a game that they should run the ball quite often. I mean, if not for the simple fact that Chicago's top three PFF graded offensive players are all running backs, Herbert, Roshan, and Deontay Foreman. That is sad. The fourth is DJ Moore. Um, a couple of stats that I pulled I thought was, was interesting. Um, Denver was 32nd in, in pressures in yep. the NFL, like in percentage of pressures, which I know most people are listening to this and they're thinking, that's not Chicago? Yeah, that shocked me as well. Uh, in terms of blitz rate, Chicago is dead last. Shocker, 14.8%. Denver's 27.5%. And, and you're right, when I watched that game, Denver was very vanilla, and there it really reminded me how deep their safeties played because they were scared of the speed. It was almost like Chicago last week when you're like Greg Stroman, where are you? Or yep. some of these other safeties, like, yep. what do you? Why are you 15 yards back from Travis Kelsey? He's not going to beat you over the top. And then they get conversion after conversion. The middle of the field was so wide open for Denver last week. But I think that there's lots of things that. Chicago can do like if they're not getting pressured and you talked about Mathis who I think that we both can agree is like the kind of door of the defense like yeah, he just gets much. picked on <laughs> but everyone gets picked on besides 
Patrick Sertain. And then yes. the other one would be Justin Simmons, who um, I'll just mention this quick. He is limited practice today with a hip. He didn't play last week. Okay. So if they're without him too, I mean, really, it could just be anything you want is open. Right. I mean, that's the hope. That's the hope. The problem is, is that the Bears have been, I would call it elementary. Elementary is not fair. I think the Bears have actually been relatively obvious with how they're running their passing attack, which is not helpful. And Steve Spagnuolo is going to expose that stuff in an instant. Todd Bowles is going to expose that stuff in an instant. And right now, Vance Joseph's defense does not look like it's at that tier. So you may see a slightly more wide open game. And then it's going to be up to Justin Fields on whether we're going to throw the ball this time. Because we've seen open receivers before. I mean, in my opinion, I hate saying this, Nick, because truly what I'm about to say, <laughs> I'm not going to pretend it's a compliment, right? This could, this might be the most harsh thing I've said on this podcast. Justin Fields' best games tend to come when the receivers are covered anyways, because if they were open, we have issues with throwing the ball. And so it's... It'll be interesting to see what happens because I can't help but think as we half segue, so don't feel like you have to segue, you got it. You're going to have to outscore a Denver offense that does not suck. And it that may be, that may be as few as 21 points, but I don't think it's going to be. Like, no, it, it feels to me like this Denver offense could very easily hang 28 points on this Bears defense, depending on what level of effort the Bears bring. And if Jalen Johnson and Eddie Jackson don't play, oh, you are you are in a jam. And But I, it's just going to be the same story. I, I hate telling this story, Nick, because it's right now it's giving me hives, like almost literal hives on my arm, where it's like, well, it's another week where the team's going to win if Justin Fields plays like a leader, meaning if they lose, everybody's going to be double sad. You know what yeah. I'm talking about? Yeah, well, here, let me throw some more, Please. I guess, just stats at you. I, I gathered a lot just because I know people are going to think it's all the Denver game or the, the Miami game, but it's not. So uh, just points allowed. Um, Denver's 40.7 points allowed per game. Chicago's <laughs> 35.2. So I think it's going to be some high-scoring things. Um, red zone percentage that touchdowns are allowed. Denver's second, 84.6 of the time, they end up in a touchdown. Chicago is 75% in their This fourth, is offense is or defense? Off, defense. Like, they just allow oh, touchdowns man, when is, you get in the red that zone. That is rough. Oh, that's bad. Well, <laughs> Chicago's 75, which is also bad. Well, Third down conversions, that. Chicago's dead last, 60%. Denver's 43.3, which is 21st. Points allowed per drive, 3.78 for Denver, 2.88 for Chicago. Both bad. Um, Denver in... Yards per play, yards per pass play, yards per carry. Um, I, I already said percent uh, pressures, and then expected points allowed for per defensive snap is all thirty second in the NFL. Like, like they're bad. Like Chicago's bad. They're they're the bottom four for most everything, but Denver's thirty second for a lot. So I agree with you. I think that um, Chicago's going to have to score a lot of points. But if Chicago cannot score points this week, Robert. It's done, right? Like, I, I think, oh, like, yeah. I don't think I can believe anymore. Oh, I mean, uh, right now I'm almost, I, I know we started. I'm a positive person, Nick. So this <laughs> breaks me. This whole situation is my easily least favorite. Because I started the season with, I believe in you, Justin, but you do got to show me something. Because mm -hmm. we just spent 17 games and an entire offseason last year making content about how this isn't all on you. 
there's a lot of opportunity for you if we take it. Mm -hmm. And so far, we kind of haven't. And so, I mean, we may even get a paltry offensive performance. But if he scores 20 and they lose a resounding 27 to 20, it's still over. Like, this yep. is a this is a game where the dub matters because it's so funny you talk about all these defensive stats. It's it gets weird at the bottom because you've got a Chicago defense that has only faced, let's call it what it is, Nick, eight valid quarters of play. Like the Bears have had starters pulled on them now yep. two different weeks <laughs> against yep. Green Bay and against Chiefs. And the Chiefs pulled them early too. So there's an aspect of some of this stuff. Like, for instance, uh, you talk about uh, like points per drive. And it's like, well, a lot of those drives have been Sean Clifford and Blaine Gabbert. Like a non-negligible amount of those drives have been those situations. And it's it's just to say, these are two defenses and both of them are really bad. Like, this is where you've got two people fighting over whether or not they're the worst. And you go, hey, the fact that it's an argument is bad enough. We'll oh, give you terrible. both the medal. <laughs> well, and, and let me say, let me, let me give less hope for how both defenses could be even worse. Okay, so just this is just the injury report. So uh, Frank Clark, who I don't think has played yet this year, he's DMP with the hip. Josie, I think it's Jewel, is their best mm -hmm. PFF graded Defensive player overall, inside linebacker. He didn't practice with the hip. Uh, Mike Purcell, backup inside D or uh, nose tackle, didn't practice. Uh, ribs, and then I already mentioned Justin Simmons. So Chicago, you had you had mentioned this a little bit, but let's let's go back on this one. Eddie Jackson didn't practice foot. Jalen Johnson didn't practice hamstring. Josh Blackwell didn't practice with a hamstring. So your backup nickel didn't practice either. And then Tyreek Stevenson, full practice. But illness. So Chicago could go into this sick this season. Like, yeah, that's weird. Yeah, Brisker too had the had the heat thing. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> but keep going. But I mean, going into this game, Chicago could have two starters. One's a rookie in the secondary, and you're down four other guys. And let's transition a little to Chicago's defense because I. Oh my gosh, Nick! I'm like I'm at a literal loss for words. Like, I'll find some way to say what I'm trying to think, because watching the Bears scheme, what they did against Kansas City, and frankly, what they've been doing for weeks, but it was especially obvious against Kansas City, playing a landmark-based spot drop defense in 2023 feels ghastly. It feels unacceptable. It feels deranged, almost. I mean, it is silly to the point of, are we, are we serious people? And I, again, I try to be moderate here, Nick. I really do. Because I feel like I've come across like a flaming hot Cheeto over the last couple of weeks. But you'll watch a defense like what Vance Joseph, Joseph is calling. And it's clear what they're trying to do. They're just not executing it with any precision. Right? Like it's a Fangio vibe. Let's shift between what two high and one high. Let's go penny front sometimes, get some people up on the line of scrimmage. And then it turns out that Mike Purcell is not that great a run stuffer and you end right. up in a jam. Right? Yep. The yep. Bears, these guys, like, so I saw a statistic just the other day. Um, the Bears inside linebackers right now. So that's TJ Edwards and Tremaine Edmonds. How do you feel like both of them have played? Give me like a one word answer. Terrible. Terrible. Agreed. But let me ask you this. If I told you that they have given up 24 completions 
on 27 throws in coverage. At what point do you say, okay, hang on, that's a ton. But like (laughs) any normal NFL player in a normal scheme is not going to give up that many on accident. I mean, even if they're practically not there, you're not going to give up that many. Like that's, that's seven on seven stuff. It's seven on seven stuff. And to me, it's a complete indictment on the scheme. Like I'm not about to cape cape for either of the linebackers, but I see them sold out left and right on film with no real correct answer. And I mean, against the chiefs, I even saw points where the players began to instinctively drive on where Patrick Mahomes was going to put the ball. And then you would see them recover step to get back to their landmark as if it was a Madden player that was getting yanked back into his zone. I mean, like this is such a despicable defense to watch Nick that I would care less about the, uh, about the, DBs were losing, even though I love Jalen Johnson and Eddie Jackson. If but for the fact that Russell Wilson likes to throw the ball deep and one of the only receivers that's really sparkled for Denver has been rookie Marvin Mims. And I don't know if Elijah Hicks is ready. Like, I don't know if Greg Stroman is ready. I don't know if, like, whoever's playing next to Tyreek Stevenson, I guess it'd be Terrell Smith, who had enough trouble. Like, he had enough trouble with the Chiefs receivers. I don't know if these guys are ready to keep up with the speedster from Oklahoma that has been the crown jewel of this Denver offense. How are you feeling about those matchups? Well, well let's also give a shout-out to, to Joan Williams, new Chicago Bear. New six, Chicago three. Bear. <laughs> He's got, you know, length, and they had to pick him up off the off the street because we don't have healthy enough corners. Let's make the joke that needs to be made here. Joe Juwan Williams comes in. What is he, Nick? He's a big, strong, press man corner. Very little short area quickness. What are we going to ask him to do? We're going to ask him to use his short area quickness. We're going to play next to no press at all. We, <laughs> it, what what here, do we need the size for in this defense? Why did we right, do this? Like, right, I mean, here, here, here's what it feels like on simplest terms for, for anyone, okay? Let's say you have, um, I don't know, the worst offensive line in the NFL. Okay, I know that you know the Chicago like everybody feels near and dear to your heart, but let's say they're like undersized and they're they're athletic, but they're not very good. So most people would think, hey, outside zone, you have athleticism, you're not going to overpower. Maybe you can get in their way and you can scheme that. You know what Chicago is doing defensively, and I would even argue offensively, is they're having these guys run gap schemes like power, like straight downhill. When they have, they My don't have the strength. Better than your guys, games. right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That that's exactly what it is. Like when, when you're supposed to have better guys, you run this scheme. That's what Chicago's doing, and they have worse guys. It's like it makes it even worse. You're like, I mean, honestly, just run run cover one press man, blitz a little bit. Hey, if they make a great throw, they make a great throw. But you're playing so far off in these zones, and these guys are so bad at it. That it's almost the same thing either way. Might as well try and see if you can get home or make them make a perfect pass. But it's so funny, Nick, because to me, I f- it feels beyond that. I mean, pattern match is so common right now. 
like mm-hmm. that's just a basic staple of zones. Like you don't have to be Steve Spagnola, who I love. I love what he's got his DBs doing. We can get into that later. But within the Bears defense, you'll have these third downs where the corner is taught to basically play either flat-footed or with his weight on his toes so that he can drive on an underneath throw, which would be great if Mike Evans didn't just run right by you. And then the moment Mike Evans runs by you, you don't really have the space to jam Mike because you're 10 yards downfield. You don't want to eat an illegal contact penalty, but also you drafted the wrong corners to just snap their hips back and run with a guy that's already at full speed. Like this isn't Tyreek's game. The comparison I have, this is like taking a team of professional, incredible athletes. We're going to take the St. Louis blues out of the NHL. And then I'm going to square them up against the Portland trailblazers in basketball and say, Go get them, guys. Like, we are taking professional athletes that are good at something, and we are taking every bit that they're good at, and we're saying... Make it make make sense. No, not that. Like, we're not going to do that. We're going to take... We we trust... We are going to pin our hopes and dreams of this defense on Justin Jones and... Dominique Robinson and Yannick Ngakwe and Demarcus Walker getting pressure for us. And the rest of you guys, you're going to stand in place. I'm not even playing around. You're going to stand in place and you are going to rally tackle on wherever the throw is. And you go, yeah. coach, we're going to we're going to stand in place for anticipatory quarterbacks that have literally been playing against this scheme since they were 17 years old. No, you tell me, Nick, how early, how early do quarterbacks start learning how to beat cover two? Oh, man, early, like... I don't know, probably their first year of varsity football, maybe even JV. So you're telling me Patrick Mahomes, who is roughly our age. He's roughly my age. Sorry, Nick. Uh, But like, I'm older. Jokes aside, it's like we're talking about Patrick Mahomes having played against a defense like this since or for probably, I mean, 10 years of his life. And then you face Russell Wilson. See, he's 35. He's seen a lot of complicated NFL defenses. Oh, he's got it. And this isn't one of them. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and, and he throws with anticipation too. He, and I, I have to go back to the offense for a second because I, I just want to touch on a play. Also, just showing how stupid Chicago is scheme wise. I, I know you've seen this because you watch all the film too. Mm-hmm. So Chicago is uh, now just wasting a player all the time on the edge defender to let Justin boot out, like because Justin, you know, right. runs a four four. But let's make sure we pin the edge because he can't outrun him. Okay, and. This last week, when you think of all of the offensive players, the skill guys, who's going to set an edge the worst? Okay. (laughs) I would think, okay, the worst is probably going to be Tyler Scott. They chose Darnell Mooney to do this. Let's waste Darnell Mooney blocking on a pass play for Justin Fields, who has speed, and not let him get in the route. Like, again, what are we doing? And speaking of coaching, uh, man, this idea literally just came to me. I may have to put this out on Twitter. But I don't think that there is a better indication of the lack of details in the Bears coaching staff right now than the fact that of the two Green Bay tight ends, like obviously Mercedes Lewis looks like a dog. He's also 39 years old. You basically don't need to coach the guy. But Robert Tanyan, who actually looked like an NFL quality tight end in Green Bay, nearly every time he is on the field, Nick, something bad happens. And it happens in part because of whatever 18 is doing on that play. And it is ridiculous watching this Bears. I mean, honestly, it somebody at one point, a friend of mine said, yeah, Taylor or Taylor Swift needs to realize that 
an NFL team doesn't play an XFL team every week. That's just this week. And I would check him on it if I thought that wasn't nearly serious. I mean, right. we're talking schematically. Like, the Bears are taking an actual decent organization and they're making it look like a no-talent rebuild team. And the real indictment is that some games that were happening at the literal same time, specifically I'm talking about the Cardinals game. Like, if I went one for one across the Bears and the Cardinals roster, I think you're taking the Bear an awful lot. But that Cardinals team is flying around and frustrating a very good Dallas Cowboys team while the Bears can't even stay competitive in some Mm -hmm. cases with a good football team. And I worry because, Nick, I've seen this trend. I bet you've seen it, too. It took Jordan Love until about, I'd say, the late second quarter before he realized, oh, wow, they really aren't going to pressure me. I'm shocked and started hitting trick shots like he was wearing a red jersey. Baker Mm -hmm. Mayfield, it took him a quarter and a half. So he sped up a little bit. Patrick Mahomes, it took him two drives. And I can't help but wonder how quickly is Russell Wilson going to go, oh, man, this rules, and just start hitting batting practice. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, – it's uh, – and well, and actually, I look at some of these advanced stats. So I know, like, people, you know, again, the most popular thing is to to dog on Justin Fields. And so I, I looked at PFF. They have this – um pressures and how much it is the fault of offensive line running backs mm-hmm. quarterbacks etc um justin fields is seventh in the nfl in quarterback pressures that are his fault which i think that would shock probably everyone because they would think justin fields is the worst at that right. you know unless you saw sam howell against buffalo last week that was uh, ugly but um he's seventh russell wilson is actually worse so he Always takes been. a lot of sacks he gets a lot of pressures so that that's one little bit of hope and I do have to address one thing about Robert Tunyon that um, is the only positive, I think, on the year. And that's if people do watch JT O'Sullivan's stuff, he references him every time as Kyle Orton. And I love it. It's hilarious every it time. It's hilarious. <laughs> so, and, I mean, you have to find some kind of humor in this season. That's Oh, for sure. easily. And I mean, you're absolutely right. Because Russ is like the king of creating problems for himself. Like, we love Russ Wilson. Russ Wilson's great. Don't know if he's going to be like a, a full-on Hall of Famer. But he's had a phenomenal career in both Seattle and, well, he's had a phenomenal career in Seattle. Like, Denver remains to be seen. But so, within that, though, he's always done this and created pressure for himself, which would right. be great if I trusted Chicago's defensive line to get home nearly ever. Because right. if I've – tell me if I'm seeing this right, Nick. It feels as if for quarterbacks, two pressures is what really creates a sack. Like when you, when one guy comes at you, the quarterback, especially with mobile quarterbacks like Russ Wilson and Justin Fields, will obviously move. Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes isn't going to get sacked by one guy unless he's a free rusher. So then the quarterback moves, and if you can get a second guy on him, you'll seal the deal. I bet you the Bears will have moments where whether it's Demarcus Robin or Demarcus Walker, whether it's hopefully Zach Pickens will win a pass rush win rep or will win a pass rush rep one of these days. Him or Gervon Dexter. Um, it's not to dunk on the kids. It's more like a two really raw prospects. There's a lot being asked of them because Justin Jones, the starting three tech, has been terrible, non-existent. Like. Maybe a net negative, because that's a position that really matters if you're going to leave it on the field. And so maybe one of these guys will get through to Russ eventually, because Russ will run that clock up, right? 
Like that pocket clock, he's going to run that thing up to three seconds. He's going to run that thing up to four seconds. And then he's going to start scrambling. But I do worry that if you just flat don't bother Russ Wilson, this is the wrong defense. Like a lot of pattern match defenses for everybody listening, if you've made it this far, a lot of pattern match defenses, it's like zone that becomes man. That's the gist of it. And so after 10 yards. So holding on to the ball for five seconds may not be implicitly helpful because it's a bunch of man-on-man routes downfield. And if the Bears guy outplays the Denver receiver, because the Denver receivers are struggling in mass, then there you go. No problem. But with the Bears holding spots, there are literal holes in the defense. And the philosophical plan that if we were in a podcast with Matt Eberflus, Matt Eberflus would say, well, yeah, well, it's the job of the rush to get there, to get home and bother the quarterback so that they don't get a receiver into those zones, which obviously Bears fan breaks down the moment that you don't have a rush and the Bears don't. And it just leaves me in this cycle, Nick, right? Because I sit here like, I mean, we're not at Jimmy Garoppolo and Kirk Cousins yet, who they'll have their own like bones to pick with a bears defense like this, but Russ Wilson who can throw with anticipation, who has seen this defense plenty and even worse, Russ can be a little hazy over the middle of the field, which would be awesome. If the sideline corner route wasn't the vulnerable part of the, of a cover two defense. And so I just can't help and look and think Matty Berflusi better have some tricks up his sleeve. Matty Berflusi better be ready to try some stuff because this is do or die. And if you trot out, quote unquote, your game plan, Sean Payton is just going to drool. He's going yep. to salivate, right? Yeah. And and here's the other part that's bad is so so Russ last year, uh right now I'm checking out PFF. So I mean for most of Russ's career, his passing grade was anywhere from a high of 91 to a low of 72. And that was only one season. He had a 72 a 75. The rest were 80 plus. And that was for I mean, every year of his career at Seattle, except for 2021, his last year there. Then last year in Denver was 64.5. That was like, oh, no, what's happening? And then this season, he went 74.4, 51.7. That was a bad game against Washington. A lot of pressure. Think about that. And then this last week, this is where I have to bring this up. Russell Wilson had an 84.9 passer grade against Miami. So is he now ascending right when, or was it, you know, they were really loose with their prevent coverage. I don't know, but I don't want to see 84.9 grade Russell Wilson. And we just saw it last week. So this whole thing is, yeah, I agree with you must win, but this could be the worst storm because Russ does throw with anticipation. Judy was limited, but he played last week and looked okay. Sutton looks good. You had talked about the rookie Marvin Mims looks good. Javante Williams, maybe he's getting healthier. This could be a shootout, and we need to have something better than the most vanilla offensive and defensive game plans in all of football. Seriously. And the Broncos offense ends up away or on while I'm away a lot, and I really wanted to get to know their defense. Did you watch any of the offense? They're, yeah, yeah. So, they, I mean, they run zone. They do a lot of um, – a lot of compressed formations. And so for people, people that don't know that that would be the receivers aren't very far off the tackles or the tight ends. And the purpose of that is they run a lot of crossing things or a lot of outbreaking routes. And they try to do pick plays or, you know, legal rubs, however you want to call that to get right. guys open. That's how they try to create uh, versus, and they, I mean, they will spread people out. A lot of times that's like, 
third down or must pass situations, but they love to keep people in. I think that's also for run blocking too. So look for a lot of compressed formations. Interesting. So Sean Payton basically walked in and said, okay, Russ, I understand that everybody wants to let you cook. I'm a cook for you. Like mm-hmm. you make it sound like they went back to a lot of, I take it by the way that there's plenty of play action from those. Oh yeah. Sets. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So this is the Carroll offense or a, at least a variation of, yep. I would assume like a blend of Sean Payton saints plus a lot of what Schottenheimer was doing back in mm-hmm. like the glory days of Russ Wilson, right? Like simplify the reads, build it through the run game and mm-hmm. hit the shot plays and call a lot of them. So that we yep. can get our quarterback in space. Seven right? man protections. Yep. And then you see the moon balls. Yep. All that stuff, man. So even worse, you're telling me that the bears season. Okay. So this is just a straight up doomer comment, but you're telling me that the bears may watch in soldier field, the successful version of Justin Fields run a successful version of Justin Fields offense on bears home turf to potentially close the Bears season out. Yep. Well, then we got to beat him. <laughs> well and and i mean and we talk about this stuff but at some point they have to stumble into a big play into a big you know they played well for a game like at some point you just have to and that happens i even see bad teams you know oh, high yeah. school college etc where it's like wow that guy just made a play like L- let me they use perfect example do Titan or the texans just this last week stroud played an awesome game A lot of the defense played an awesome game. But what was the play that really closed it? Do you remember this play? Did you how close did you follow this game? I I I didn't follow it that closely, but the tank Dell not just the tank Dell one. The Jacks or Jacksonville scored to get back into the game. And then on the kickoff, they pooch kicked it. Oh, that play's nuts. That play where for for anybody who didn't see it, Jacksonville pooch kicked it. The one of the fullbacks that would traditionally block for the kick returner saw the opportunity and reared backwards, muffed the kick, picked it up and ran it back for a touchdown. Like you're talking about, Nick, sometimes you just stumble and bumble (laughs) into making a play and seven points one way or another on the football field can completely swing a football game that that play reminded me and you'll remember this one it reminded me of when green bay they squib kicked it and the new england patriots offensive lineman picked it up yes and then like made a guy miss and then returned it inside the tent it was like the funniest thing is like is anyone gonna tackle this guy that's what it felt like the whole time and then and then he outran somebody. I was I was happy for him though, honestly. Oh, I mean, that had to rule, right? Like NFL touchdowns just don't come easy. And no. I mean, if there's one thing that I sit here looking at this Bears game and think to myself, it's we we touched on it earlier. Of course, I would love to see more manufactured touches for DJ Moore, but to me, this is as simple as Justin, if you could throw over in the middle of the field off of play action and do it to Darnell Mooney or Chase Claypool, it should be there. And if those guys can't get open for you, then that's on them because everybody else in the league has seemed to. I mean, Jacoby Myers was open at will. Uh, Obviously, Tyreek Hill and just about anybody else that the Dolphins wanted to get open was open. But this feels like one of those games where we have to say, Nick, we don't have another choice, right? We have to say, kid gloves are off. We've got to deliver. We are out of time. We are out of time. And it's not, this isn't a matter of benching, not benching. It's a short week. He's playing like week five. But if you are even going to pretend you're going to the playoffs, like before you enter the bargaining phase of an NFL season, 
you have to win this game. You mm-hmm. have to win this game. And I can't help but think that while the Bears could do it with a heavy dose of the run game, what really made that Miami run game open up was that when Tua did throw the ball, he just gashed the Broncos. And they kept the Broncos one step slow to the run game the entire game. And from mm-hmm. there, most certain, what is it now, a Chan? Because they changed it. Like, yeah, yeah, I thought it was a chain, and that's not right. I think it's a chan. Yeah, I think it's like it might be a chan or something. But either way, those guys were able to exploit a lot of gashes in that Broncos off or defense, largely because Tua was able to hit some major chunks through the air early that kept them in those deeper coverage packages. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and and the thing too is like I know people are gonna be like, well, you know, the Dolphins got 700 yards against them, which and the Dolphins are very good, like the best offense right now. But Washington and the Raiders aren't good offenses. Okay, they're they're not. They're they're well below average. They both, I, I believe, averaged at least three hundred yards against this defense. And if Chicago can't do something like that, th- then it's. I mean, you know, we th- then it's time to start just trading everybody. Like it's done. You seem like you've got your finger on the hand of the or on the trigger of the stats. So I do have to ask you: Does um. Does does Bears offense have a 300 yard game this season? Yep. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'll, I'll look it up while you, while you do this though. Yeah, just because I mean, this is one of those like the the very movable object meets the incredibly meek force like kinds of matchups with the Bears offense and the Broncos defense, unfortunately. And I again, I hate being so flamethrower. I hate. I really am not here happy about talking about just the ineptitude that we're seeing on offense. I mean. Worse, Nick, the routes look ugly. The receivers at times don't look like they're trying. I mean, you've got plays. There's that rollout. You remember the rollout where uh, where Fields was able to just fit the ball to commit nice and easy. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know if you saw what I saw, but Chase Claypool is open on the over route. It doesn't really matter because on a rollout, you're just looking for a completion. Like I'm not yeah. a quarterback's coach, but at the end of the day, whatever's more comfortable for the quarterback, go ahead and do it. But then Claypool throws his arms up in the air, looks around, and you can tell he's frustrated. And yep. seeing that kind of body language bubble over in all three of the games that the Bears have played, like there's legitimate friction. I'm not making this up. I'm not no, pulling this out of thin air. DJ Moore clapping, right? I mean, right. We've, we've seen it from everybody. We've seen Darnell Mooney jump around and throw his hands in the air in week yep. one on that free play where the ball didn't come out. I mean, like, there's there's legitimate frustration between the wide so, receivers and the quarterback. Yeah, no, I agree with you. So to answer your question, this might shock people. Chicago had 311 yards uh, against Green Bay first game of the year. Yep. I thought you might say Green Bay. <laughs> they picked up like a tidy 120 yards after the game had quote unquote ended, so to speak, which works. That's fine. Those yards count. But does that mean we were under 300 against the Bucks and under 300 against the Chiefs? Oh, do you want to know the number or no? Well, the Chiefs won. Don't tell me. But the Bucks, we had to be close, right? 236. Oh my gosh, Nick. What am I supposed to say? <laughs> well, it, it, but here's the other part of it too in those games Chicago just did not have a lot of plays like the Chiefs they had 51 plays and that includes the the second half when they like let their foot off the gas like the Bears just did not sustain drives or have many plays it's oh you check out of a blitz play and hit Herbert in the flat around a screen great 
fumble, boom. Next drive, incomplete pass, pick. They have a drive, boom. Like it's just disaster. I'll tell you one thing. Okay, so I'm I thought about 2019 because one thing that's been really bothering me about this Bears offense is that so we talked earlier in the season, like preseason, about how we wanted to see the Bears do more neutral down passing. And I, the Bears are doing more neutral down passing. In fact, they clearly want to throw the ball first things first and get to running the ball later. It's just not working. Like it's it's like a, it's like a fighter that gets out uh, gets up off of the corner when maybe he would have needed an extra second or two, but his trainer thinks it's a good idea to get him on his feet and up and moving, and he just walks out there wobbling. Like that's yeah. where we're at. The Bears passing game is staggered, but for some reason we're still asking this to lead us. And here's a question I want to ask you as a coach. The Bears, I didn't realize this at the time, how it actually may have been a really good idea, basically built an entire playbook out of Tariq Cohen running option option routes and also Allen Robinson running option routes. And what I didn't think of at the time is that this takes a lot of that mental load off of your quarterback and puts it on the playmaker. All you tell the quarterback is, hey, hit the back of your job and throw it to him. Like they could go one of three ways when they turn their shoulders, throw the ball. I'm not expecting you to throw this anticipation. The idea is, is that they're going to read the defender and break into open space. Where are those? Like DJ Moore would be an electric option route receiver, right? Like if Allen Robinson can be an option route receiver, you would think DJ Moore and Darnell Mooney could easily be option route guys. And wouldn't this fit Fields? Like, am I just pulling something out of thin air? Because I knew no people do that on Twitter all the time. But this this is not a hard thing to implement. And even worse, Nick, they did this with Devontae Adams in Green Bay. I know Luke Getze knows what an option route is. What is, like, why are the solutions to this that we're only going to run play action? We're only going to run stag routes with no side adjust whatsoever to the point where if DJ Moore thinks he's covered, he's just going to stop running on a ball that actually gets thrown on a route over his head. Like, am I nuts over here? It just feels like the quote unquote creative solutions we have to adjusting to fields are not near creative enough. No, no, they're not. And honestly, this would be perfect for fields because they're doing the work and then you just get open. And so uh, a fun side story to this, is this hard to implement? Question one. Uh, No, Um, (laughs) I did this in 2018 as office coordinator at a high school that ran double wing. If you guys don't know what that is, that's all running basically. And then the next year I ran, a, so I was an OC. I was OC the next year and I ran a spread option. And so a lot of speed option, read option stuff, but I had a play in called choice. I don't care if people know what the name is. doesn't matter now. Um, and literally my slot receivers, I'd be like, Hey, run five yards and run to grass. You can sit, you can run in, you can run out. If you want to keep going, you keep going. And the quarterback literally it's, one, two, three, uh, he's going there. And then he throws him. It was one of our best plays because it's always open. And I had a, someone on Twitter ask me this after my video. They said, hey, so after they ran the, the play action play a second time in a row, the safety doesn't backpedal or turn his hips when, when Moore is really close to him on his vertical stem and his route and runs the dig route for him. If Moore just dips inside and keeps going. It is gone. It's a touchdown. Like it's, it's not a even a debate. Score. And so it's like, is that built in? And that's, that's, that'd be a sight adjust like you're talking about. And the quarterback that we're playing, one of his best plays in Seattle to Tyler Lockett, who's a really good route runner is they would run deep play action. Lockett would run a crosser and he would get 
you know, like middle of the field and he would decide what he wants to do at 15 yards. He might keep going. He might revert back. He might sit down. He had option routes that deep down the field. And so that's what Russ is used to. And it was super successful because it's always open. That's the whole point of the air raid, by the way, is you run to grass. So I don't know why this isn't a thing because it is amazing in every offense. And it's so one of the really awful parts I feel like about this is so there are offensive systems where you could make what Justin Fields is doing work better in what we are given. Tell me if I'm crazy, Nick. Unfortunately, we are getting really strong eval tape about what Fields can and can't do. Like we are seeing the inflexibility of his toolkit for better or for worse on display because there are some of these things that we would hope that we'd be able to fit into like that. The play you called it rap. I heard chase Daniel call it hammer the interception that we threw where yep. everybody agrees. You got to hit Cole Kmet. The route wasn't as high as I think you and I thought it was originally. Mm -hmm. It's more that the DB just doesn't close on it. And so you've got to hit that and drive it to Cole Kmet. Sure. Easy to say, but moreover, we're seeing, I think a, t a tendency that fields predetermines a lot. And that would be okay in in other offenses, but we keep unintentionally exposing the kid because we're going to make him make reads when he is in a habit of predetermining things. But it's still broken. Well, like, it's it's the whole, everybody's name's on it, you know? Yeah. Well, and here's another thing to think about, too, is like when your quarterback's struggling and to get them to think less, and this might seem a little weird, is, is that's when you run no huddle, hurry up. Yes. Hey, cool. This is it. Boom. Go, go, go. And you look at that Tampa Bay game when they needed to go hurry up and they did it. They went right down the field. Big play, big play touchdown to Chase Claypool. Hurry up. So like, why don't you do something like that? Just mixed up in the middle of the game. We know Fields likes that. Oh, hey, they're subbing. Let's go quick and try and get a free play. He does that pretty well, too. So why not build in some of the things again that he does well in the game plan? Like it just... Make it make sense. So, yeah, I think right now he struggles a lot with confidence. He struggles with trust with the O-line, trust with the receivers, trust with Luke Getze. Because, again, we're reverting back to what happened in the beginning of the year last year and now what happened at the end of the year. And so you, you just hope that some of the concepts and the layers, but what you can do is you can go hurry up. You talked about option routes, but you also can run the ball a lot more. Run the and ball himself, run the ball with the running backs. That has to be the plan. I mean, that has to be the plan. And for me, what I know I'm worried about with, I guess, an uppercase W, like I want to I want to say I'm not that worried, but I'm pretty worried is the Bears have this really bad habit right now of being super untrustworthy. And while I'd love like I would trust the 2022 team to just roll the ball down the field, the 2022 offense developed such a healthy running game that they could even get quite a few play action passing shots pretty doggone open because yep. their running game was something you had to commit to stopping. And the bears have shown honestly, Nick, so little patience running the ball. Mm -hmm. I'm amazed they haven't gone to a drive where they just pulled out the 2022 playbook, dusted it off and said, we're going to run three straight running plays. That is what we're going to do off at, Like, I mean, based on what I know, coaches do this where they look at their offensive line and they're like, you get three running plays. And if we don't get a first down, this is on you guys. Like, yep. and then they yep. look at Roche or they look at Roshan Johnson or Khalil Herbert. They go, it's on you too. Like yeah. you're going to get this Wait, first and, down. And they're more efficient runners this year than Montgomery. We talked about this. Montgomery wasn't as good. So you have more efficient runners to do it with. So, so why not? And one positive, let's try and go positive here. One positive is 
Nate Davis is not on the injury report. And Jatyree Carter and Lucas Patrick and Cody Whitehair, I don't understand why all three of them are not run blocking grade well. And maybe it's because of the variance or scheme, or maybe they're not good, but Nate Davis is better at that. So he should return at right guard, which is great. And I mean, fingers crossed, Tevin Jenkins could be back the next week, and then the interior could be back to normal at least. Right. If there's one thing that doesn't help anybody's PFF grades, this is totally just my opinion, by the way. I don't know. It's not like I know this off of a PFF grader. But mm-hmm. what I've heard when I've talked with PFF staffers about how they do their system is that they grade the plays that they're given. And one thing that's really hurting a lot of Bears players' PFF grades, and they deserve it, is that the Bears' play calls have been so disadvantageous to the offensive players that are running them that if Jatairi Carter has to make an impossible Superman block in the run game, and lo and behold, he is not Superman and does not do it, he's going to get a minus on that play because he still did not fulfill his assignment. If a receiver has is out-leveraged by his DB, but he still gets locked up, well, too bad. You're going to get a minus because you yeah. weren't open on a target. You get the idea. So there's a piece of this where I look at the Bears run blockers and I'm like, well, they're, they basically keep running into stacked boxes. It's like running into a wall of knives. And no surprise, it's not working out. But also, I mean, Cody Whitehair is not playing well. Lucas Patrick is not playing well. I would love to sit here and stump for Tyree Carter. We're not playing so well that I get to stump for you. Like in this latest game, I don't know what you thought. I thought he held water, which is a nice thing to say. But you're not trying to figure out how to get Chatiree Carter back in the lineup when no. Nate Davis comes off the injury report. And that may I mean, he had a couple do. of glaring, glaringly bad plays. Like, like glaringly bad plays. Like walked back and ruined like multiple plays. Right. And I mean, it's it's such it's such a weird game because Nick. Tevin Jenkins comes back. And I don't know if Tevin Jenkins is the hero that the Bears need, but if Tevin Jenkins gets pulled off the injury report in time for the Thursday night game for a one and three Bears team, I mean, you come out of Thursday night two and three, go into a Minnesota team that like is vulnerable at the very least. Who's to say the season can't turn around? But Robert, you're getting me pumped now. No, I'm saying weirder has happened because no, I'm pretty down on this game. But I'm saying the door is open until it's closed. Well, well and here's sense? the other part of this too, is that Green Bay is a solid team. Probably better than we expected. Kansas City is obviously awesome. They're obviously Tampa, awesome. Tampa Bay is playing pretty well too. It could also be we faced three pretty good defenses. And pretty good teams. And and I know it looks like crap, but maybe those are just good teams too. And maybe the Bears aren't as bad as we envisioned. They've just run into, you know, some solid teams so far. I'm so down on the defensive ideas, truly. Right. Like the the biggest problem I have here is that I've got used to like Chuck Pagano is maybe the worst defensive coordinator that I've like studied, studied. Because I watched, or like I've watched through all the different ways that the Bears were deploying things under Fangio. I love a lot of the Sean Desai ideas. Sometimes things got a little too crazy for my yeah. own good. But yeah, he tried a lot. I'll take too crazy. Too crazy is so much better than another scoop of vanilla ice cream for crying yeah. out loud. And so, to me, Nick, because I'm with you, 
I actually think this Bears offense should move the ball. But yes. do you know how many times I have gotten in trouble betting on the Bears in do-or-die offensive situations? Like, these are my scars, man. Like, I, Well, I thought we were going to start looking at betting slips, but who knows? No, 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 no. I'm saying, like, <laughs> in this case, it was always fantasy football. These would be I games gotcha. where I would – so. Jay Cutler was a free pickup in every fantasy league that I've ever played in because nobody else wanted Cutler. And so he would just sit as my backup because I love the guy. Right. And so there'd be these moments where I would need the bears to win. I needed the bears to win just based on the season situation. You can remember uh, if you need an example, I think there was like a 2014 week two Philadelphia game where we had just lost the week one game before then we were facing Vicks Eagles and we went on to get smoked if you remember, but I'm starting Cutler in that game saying to myself, no, 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 no. We need the season to turn around and it's going to turn around because you're going to turn it around. And this is just, I did this with Mitch in the week two Denver game in 2019 when we scored 14 points total, like, or maybe it was like 15, 13. I can't remember. But the point is Nick, the bears offense has to come to play. And I think they have the tools to do it, but they have been shooting themselves in the foot for three weeks now. And yep. if I'm scared of anything, it's that old saying, when somebody tells you who you are, believe them. And what we have seen from this team is a week one game where they gave up a week three game where they gave up. Mm -hmm. And now they face Russell Wilson, who is the would you say he it's fair to call him the second best quarterback that they've faced on the schedule? Um depends on what version of Russ there is. I'm that's why I'm asking. Do yeah, you I think mean I would say historically, yes. Um, but I would say the if you go last year and this year's film, I think he's probably not. He might be he might be a last. I mean, because LaFleur has dialed up some great stuff. He really for, has. Jordan Love. I'm not saying Jordan Love is it yet, but he's dialed up some great stuff. And Baker was dealing the Baker early part dealing. of the year. <laughs> so, like, so honestly, he might be last. He might be. And the Bears could really use it if that's the case. Because yeah. it it's so weird. The Bears already got away with the game. Like, that's the other thing, Nick. The Buccaneers game, it is hard to score, what was it, like 430 yards of offense and end up with 20 points. Like on off, 37. as far as your offensive output, 37, what? Four, no, 437 is what they allowed. That's a lot of yardage, man. <laughs> like, and that's the good, that's the quote unquote good performance. And so we'll see what happens. I mean, Sean Payton to me is a relatively scary guy to be facing in this situation. And it doesn't help anything, Nick, that part of me, can I, can I cite a bias? This is like full honest. This is capital H honest. This is a season where the Bears need answers. They need really strong, underlinable answers. And the easiest path to an answer is to lose this game. I'm never going to root for it. I can't root for it. It's just not in my blood. Right? No, but I, I agree with you. But it, it is the easiest path to an answer where you go, mm -hmm. okay, uh, it's over then. We've got the inside lane to a, a franchise-changing player in Caleb Williams. And yep. it, there's no telling that we'll definitely win, but, or like his sweepstakes. But if we lost to the Broncos, <laughs> I mean, 
It could. I mean, I mean if, if, if Chicago loses to the Broncos, it's tough seeing them winning until they play the Raiders. And even then, that's Jimmy Garoppolo and Devontae Adams. Like, yep. it's that's the wrong kind of quarterback matchup. And so I'm not trying to say build some weird case for 0-17 because I also think, Nick, that eventually the Bears get things together. But we're not that far removed from Allen Williams resigning from the team. It nope. would be pretty normal for for there to be a couple weeks fallout. But there's not really time for that. So if nope. you – are you at the point where you want to give your prediction or do you want to respond to any of that first? No, no, I, I think I'm right. Well, I think you're ready because you've built up the case enough, I think, to tell yours. I, I think – that Denver comes in and they have a high-flying offensive day, but they keep screwing up and they end up scoring 27 points on a day where they should have scored more. And I think the Bears' offense also hangs around longer than anybody thinks they will. Or maybe not. Maybe some people think they're absolutely going to. Think about the Buccaneers' performance. You can nail the scripted drive against this Broncos team. I tend to think this game will open 7-7. Don't you? Like first two drives. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And so seven to seven, everybody's going to do what they do. They're going to put their Justin Fields Jersey right back on. They're going to say, F yeah, let's go. F it Fields is here. And it wouldn't surprise me if the bears offense is just going to, it's going to, it's going to move and then it's going to stop moving. And then they're going to punt. And then the Broncos are going to move until somebody drops a pass. And you're going to see a sloppy game on both sides. I bet penalties are going to be instantaneous drive killers. And they'll happen by both sides. But when the dust settles, I, I don't see Chicago on the right end of this one. And again, I can't tell if that's me just scarred. But I will eat all the crow. On our post-game podcast, grinning ear to ear, if the Bears avoid the because the moment they win a game, the Lions record is still intact. The moment the Bears win a game, like there's no like the 0-16 Lions are still wholly, wholly sole possession of that record. But we'll see. What do you think? Well, no, so what's the what's the score prediction? Oh, I have um 27. I I'm going 27 to Gosh, what would it be? Like 23. I think the Bears actually move the ball a lot. I think they have slightly more trouble getting it into the end zone. But a lot of that will depend on, honestly, how the Broncos stop the run. They stopped the run relative. Check me on this. Literally check me on this. They looked like they were stopping the run relatively well during the Raiders game, from what I was seeing. And that it was Jimmy Garoppolo getting the ball through the air that was starting to move the offense for them. What is Josh Jacobs' YPC in that game? Uh, well, right now I can tell you that, yeah, they they stopped him well. They only allowed 61 rushing yards that game. And then it was 122 rushing yards against Washington. Oh, boy. And then 350 against Miami. 350 rushing. 350 rushing yards. Oh, my what? goodness. I mean, that, that's like Walter Payton's record setting plus another 75. Man, now you're going to make me go back and watch the Commanders game if only because, like, what happened? Like. They allowed- 388 total yards to the commanders pivoting that hard from and i mean the commanders seem like they can vaguely ball they've only played three teams one might be the most surprisingly decently coached team in ball that's the cardinals one denver who's kind of just a mess and then they play what do you think about this statement i would argue the bills especially after what happened week one and since week one have looked like the best team in football but it's Ooh. it's obviously like a 
hair splitting margin. It's got to be Miami. Oh, yeah. What am I thinking? Duh. No. But they're they're up there for sure. I mean, I, I mean, I mean those those three. Casey, thank you for instant checking me. I need that Miami and Buffalo. Yeah. Like, I mean, come on. I mean, that offense right now looks like it's going to set every record in there. So, okay. So my prediction. Give it to me. Um, this is going to be hard because it's not an easy one. Um, this is this is everything, and to me, like this game. There's there's jobs online. Like if they if they get blown out and they look terrible, someone will get fired. Like they like, and I don't want that to be the case. But I don't see Eberflus and Poles just sitting there and be like, "Well, we gotta we gotta focus more." Like that that was the message this week. It's like you you, you can't keep going back to the well for some of this stuff. Like, I and I don't know how they handle pressers that way. I know they're probably coached by you know whomever to handle them that way. Speaking of pressers, but, did you hear the Eberflus presser today? I, I heard some of it. Yeah. Oh my gosh, what? Well, and, we and, and I can't I can't blame Justin Fields in his presser either. Last week he tries to be honest with you guys, and then this week he's just, yep, nope, uh, yep, I gotta do this better. You know, like I mean, he's just 100%. as he's Belichick, and like you can't fault it. People are like, man, he looks like he's deflated and depressed yeah because you guys just outed him last week what do you think he's gonna do he's gonna march on lynch it we already talked about this we already talked right. about it so so anyway so um this is again this is this is it so to me if this is it we should see some stuff we should see some different scheme stuff and i think it's going to be a high scoring affair i'm going to go 31 27 but i'm picking denver <sighs> And the Bears don't even cover in that scenario. <laughs> I know, thirty-one twenty-seven, and that's that's the most scored points. That's the most offense we're gonna have. Um, but our defense is terrible. I know we're at home. I know, but until I've seen any glimmer of hope from the defense, is what I'm worried about the most. I I can't pick us to win. I, I yeah, right. Like. Especially because, to me, actually, it's funny you mentioned that. 31 points from Denver makes an awful lot of sense where you get two relatively long touchdown passes. You get two, like, drives that just end up in the end zone and one that stalls in field goal range. This is not – there are a lot of defenses. I mean, you work in the fantasy world. I know you know this, where it's like you could pick out the defensive – the DSC units, like, for the kickers that are going to – result in a whole bunch of field goals against where between Mm -hmm. the 20s they may not be it but man you get to the 20 and they just become this iron wall chicago hadn't done that and neither is denver to be totally fair but chicago seems like right now they get in their own way a little bit more especially Mm -hmm. since if you asked me maybe this is my ultimate x factor i can't believe we've spent this long on the podcast and we haven't really talked about this as much but like it's going to take some gravitas for both of these coaches to pull their locker rooms together. Like it's going to take some cojones. It's going to take some stones. There are bad things going on in each locker room. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if people in the wide receiver room are yelling at each other because the fact that these emotions are bubbling over on tape is embarrassing. Like, obviously the defense is discombobulated. Their defensive coordinator has left. And I got to tell you, man, I just trust Sean Payton a little bit more to lock the guys in than I do Matt Eberflus. And I mean, not everything comes down to coaching in the NFL, but when you watch the Texans take the Jags to task 
and win. When you watch the Cardinals take the Cowboys to task and win. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. It, it yeah. sure starts to feel like you need the coach to be able to pull these kinds of things off. And right. And that's, and that's the thing is that I don't know where Sean Payton's at right now because we've seen great coaches come back and it doesn't work, you know, like, right. like, you know, John Gruden. John Gruden, I mean, the big tuna, like he had some great runs and then he had some uh, years too. And we, John Fox, he, he <laughs> turns around every team he's in except for Chicago. And it's been a disaster there. The, I don't know that people know this. This is an interesting stat right now. They allowed 17 points to the Raiders in week one. Mm-hmm. Week two, 35 to the Commanders. So double. Last week, what's 35 by 35, Robert? The 70. Bear, the Bears are going to score 140 points? Exactly. That's Turn incredible. in those bet slips, everybody. 140 coming for Chicago, baby. <laughs> Hopefully, hopefully it's not 70 divided by 10. Anyways. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Man. If if Chicago if Chicago gets shut out, no way. Everyone needs to be fired. I mean, seriously. And we'll we'll talk about that situation when we get there. If we get there. I hope right. we don't get there. I don't and, we, and I don't want that, but I'm just saying like so so that's my prediction. I, I still think it's 31-27. Yeah. I think it's a lot of scoring, a lot of yards. I th- if you hear me sounding bummed, I'm actually dis- I'm not disappointed in you. I'm disappointed that we both agree that it's probably a loss. Like that's that's pretty deflating. It's one thing to look at the schedule and be like, oh yeah, I mean, what are the Bears going to do to win that game? But also, Nick, like to actually put the like to put our predictions down and say, oh, I don't think this is going to go well for Chicago. Like that's going to be a- it's not going to be a great day in the stadium. Well, well you know? part of it is. Part of it is like th- this is the worst case scenario for the Bears because like the offense hasn't come together what we wanted, and we're beat up. I mean, on the line, right? Which is the, right. l- the least amount of thing that we could have happen. And then on defense, we're not that talented, and we knew that. But the only unit that we had faith in, well, I guess the linebackers too, is so beat up, and we know the D line can't make up for it. It's just like how do you how do you put everything together that Chicago wins? Like and. And this is oh here's a fun stat for you. This is a this is a sad stat, but it is what it is. So special teams, both teams allow the second and third most yards allowed per punt, and Chicago has the worst starting field position in the NFL this year. <laughs> I mean, you can't make some of this up. Nope. And there's one more thing we have to talk about. I'm gonna see if I can't put together a little video about this. But okay, so. Let's pretend we know that the Bears are losing in the game, right? We don't. But let's pretend something really bad happens, right, Nick? It's it's 14 to nothing early, okay? Bears fans, I'm not even playing with you. You got to make sure you have red zone on in another corner of your room so that you can keep an eye on this Carolina-Minnesota game. Because I'm not saying, I'm not saying... That it's pivotal, but it does make me think, Nick, that look, I'm a big believer and you got to plan around every scenario, especially since I'm not a coach. I'm a fanalist. So <laughs> it's easy well, for me to just think about both. Yeah, but, right? but e- either way, we want Carolina's pick to be high. Even if Chicago wins, you want it to be high. And beyond that, I don't trust Quesi Adolfo Mensa to not consider legitimately trading Kirk Cousins if they're 0 4. I mean, 0-4 oh, 
is a death knell. 0-4 is a bad place to be. Nobody wants to be there. Two organizations will be. So, for one week, Bears fans, you are also a Vikings fan. Because right now, hey, Bryce Young is trending towards playing. We love that. Bryce That's great. Because like, Dalton was dealing last week. Dalton was dealing. Of course, the Red Rifle made it a game. Looked yep. like he was about to win that one for him. So, hopefully, Bryce plays and Kirk Cousins and the Vikings have a get-right game that inspires them. Hopefully, like, and then in that case, at least, Nick, you and I may start the post-game podcast by saying, well, if the season ended today, the Bears would be picking one and two. Who do you want to draft? Because yeah, at least that's, as much as you may groan, that is much more positive than a lot of the Bears seasons that I know you've watched, because I've watched them too, where yep. the Bears have a terrible season, everybody's getting fired, but also, we were 6-10, and 10, so we're actually only drafting 11th. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's bad. Well, here's another. There's a couple of crazy things. Minnesota, like um, Justin Jefferson, I think, is on pace for 2,500 receiving Bull yards. crap. Is that real? But, yep. And then Cousins is on pace for like near 6,000. Like they, they're just airing it out because they can't run. They're so they're losing? just throwing it. They're losing these games with like. That's how bad that defense is. They see bad defense throwing a bunch Chicago let's like wouldn't this be a great like the first 300 yard game for fields yes I awesome. mean any any game any game would have been a great first 300 yard game for this fields. Is it. I don't care if it's the worst defense just let's get it fields chewing up 300 yards against Kansas City garbage time second stringers would have still been a hang the banner moment like mm-hmm. CJ Str- did it take him one game <laughs> CJ Stroud let's not go all right let's wrap it up i I can't take it it. (laughs) anyways thank you so much for listening bears fans this is not the season that i think anybody expected but all the same we are going to keep it fun while keeping it real here on bear with us so nick where can folks find you what you got coming what can we look forward to yeah so um that that last justin fields video got some uh really good uh views and reviews. So I'll be doing that every Monday. I'll be dropping every pass play from Chicago. Uh, so look forward to that on my YouTube channel uh, at underscore Nick Whelan on Twitter. You guys can interact with me there. And then at football guys, every Friday we'll be dropping my DFS article. Uh, that's always fun. It's contrarian. So it's the plays you don't normally see. I love it because I'm in a DFS league and I'm in a rebuild right now. It's like a DFS keepers thing. It's the most intense fantasy league I've ever been in in my life. That's for sure. So I need to check it out more often. Folks, you can find me online at Robert K. Schmitz. Follow me there. Uh, Let us know what is and isn't working about the podcast. Rate us on any podcast platform that you are on. And keep an eye out because I'm probably going to put some goofy little video together about the tank bowl that we have coming up this weekend because even if if the game turns south for the bears it actually turned out well for the bears the bears can't lose on sunday nick that's the good news because if if things bottom out they bottom up for the Mm -hmm. bears so thank you guys so much for listening and until next time bear down and thanks so much for bearing with us good night everybody